0: beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the people we choose to spend time with often reflects who we are. That's why we have the saying, you probably heard it before, show me who your friends are and I will tell you who you are. Because you see, we tend to be like the people that we spend time with, the people we, we eat and drink with. Often that's True, and that can impact the way that we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as the Lord's Supper. We know from the Word of God that Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, that's how the Gospel of Mark, which we read from earlier, begins. It begins by telling us that Jesus is the Son of God. And that name, that, that, that title, it, it highlights His greatness. It highlights His, his deity. He is God. His, his glory and, and His majesty. It emphasizes His uniqueness. Because it's, it's saying Jesus is the Son of God. And because He is... And because the people that we spend time with usually reflects who we are, we can tend to think that the people Christ would choose to spend time with, the people that he would eat and drink with, if he would choose to eat and drink with people at all, are the great people, the respectable people, the righteous people. The people who appear to be closest to him. The the people who have it all together. Those are the people he would associate with. That's how we can often tend to think of the Lord Jesus. We might not think that consciously. But it can show in different ways. It it shows when you, you, you hesitate to go to him with the burden of your sin and your guilt, and your shame, because deep down you're afraid He won't take you. He won't help you. And on the, on the other hand, it, it shows when you feel pretty good about yourself, and assume that therefore Christ, of course, accepts you. It shows when we despise others who, think, who, think we, who we think are not up to par in the Christian life. Or when we think some people are beyond hope. It shows when we presume to come to the Lord's Supper because of how good we think we did in this past week. It shows when we struggle to come to the Lord's Supper because we don't feel we are up to par. Consciously or unconsciously, we can sometimes live as if the people the Lord Jesus is interested in The people he receives and he loves to spend time with, the people he would eat and drink with, are people who've got it all together. Because after all, he's the great son of God. But then you come to our text. Mark 2, verses 15 to 17. And there we read, we read that Jesus, this son of God, Spends time with who? With sinners. Even eating and drinking with them. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. How how are we to understand that? What does that tell us about him? And what does that mean for us also with the celebration of the Lord's Supper this morning? That's what we want to consider as we meditate for a few moments on our text under the theme, Jesus eats and drinks with sinners. In the first place, what does that tell us about him? We know what it doesn't tell us. The Lord Jesus eating and drinking with sinners doesn't mean that he himself was a sinner. That's impossible. Christ was not and could never be a sinner because he is the Son of God. And God the Father himself confirmed that at at, at the baptism of Jesus. At the beginning of his public ministry when he was 30 years old. When he said to him, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But what then does his eating and drinking with sinners tell us about him? Well, for one thing, it tells us, doesn't it, how humble he is. Think about it. Here is the great, only begotten, beloved Son of God. The one who has sovereign power and authority. That's what the beginning of Mark's gospel account emphasizes. It stresses Christ's power and authority as the Son of God. He calls men who are busy fishing to follow Him. And what happens? They immediately drop everything and they follow Him. He teaches in the synagogue and what happens People are astonished because he teaches as one that has authority. He rebukes an unclean spirit in a man, and what happens? The unclean spirit comes out. He takes Simon Peter's sick mother-in-law by the hand, and he lifts her up, and what happens? The fever, the sickness immediately leaves her, and she serves them. People bring the sick and the demon possessed to him and what happens? He heals many that were sick of various diseases and he casts out devils. He he touches a leper who comes to him seeking cleansing and what happens? Immediately the leprosy departs from him and he is cleansed. Four men bring their paralyzed friend to him by lowering him down through the roof in front of him. And what happens? Jesus first pronounces the man's sins forgiven and then tells him to take up his bed and walk and the man rises immediately and he takes up his bed and he walks. You see what this is emphasizing, what this is stressing for us. What it's teaching us about Jesus. It's teaching us how great and how glorious and majestic he is. There is no one like him. He's the son of God who has sovereign power and authority. But what is what is he, this almighty, holy son of God, doing in our text? He's just called a publican or a tax collector named Levi also known as Matthew, to follow him, to be one of his own disciples. And then he goes to his house, and and we read in verse, verse 15, it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. The Lord Jesus, this Son of God, this glorious Son of God, is eating and drinking here, not just with some, but many publicans and sinners. Publicans, tax collectors, and sinners, you see, y- y- we need to understand, were the most despised people there were. They were the worst kind of people you could associate with. They, would, they, they, they were what we might call the scum of society. And yet that's what Jesus... Uh, That's who Jesus, the Son of God, eats and drinks with. And the scribes and and Pharisees could not understand that. And that's why in, in verse 16, they ask his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? How can someone who's so great that he can make a paralyzed man walk just by telling him to get up and walk? How can he go and do that? How can he go and eat and drink with with publicans and sinners? That, That just can't happen. But it did. The scribes and Pharisees would never do that. They were far too holy, far too righteous to sit down with such sinful people for a meal, or so they thought. And we're not always that different, are we? And yet here is the Son of God. The one who is infinitely holier and more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees. The one who is perfectly righteous and sinless, doing just that. The one who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, not only was made in the likeness of men, but he also ate and drank with the lowest of men. He didn't turn his nose up at them. He didn't leave or sit on the far end of the room. He didn't pretend not to see them. He didn't treat them as if they're not worth his time or attention. No, he ate and drank with them. He spent time with them. And he still does. He still does. By his Spirit. Oh, don't misunderstand. The Lord's Supper is not for hypocrites. Or for those refusing to repent of sin. But that doesn't mean it's for the sinless. It doesn't mean it's just for people who've got it all together. No, think about when Christ first instituted the Lord's Supper in the upper room. Shortly before his death. Who did he institute it for? His disciples? Yes. But were those disciples sinless? No. No. It proved that pretty quickly. They were sincere. But they weren't sinless. Far from it. They were, they were sinners. But sinners who followed were following Jesus. The point, the point is the Lord's Supper is not for the sinless. It's for sinners seeking salvation from their sins in Jesus Christ alone. That's who it's for. That's who Jesus, the Son of God, welcomes to his table. How humble he is. And what precious news that is when you've come to see yourself as a helpless, hellworthy sinner before God. Christ eating and drinking with sinners tells us how humble he is, but it, it also tells us how loving he is. And here we want to focus on what he says in verse. 17, the scribes and Pharisees, they can't understand how it can be that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners. And, and verse 17 says that when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does the Lord mean by that? What is he saying? He's saying that the reason he eats and drinks with sinners is to heal them to save them and that's why he compares himself to a physician or a doctor children when do you usually go to a doctor you usually go to a doctor when you're sick unless you're going just to get shots or something to keep healthy but usually you go to see a doctor when you're sick that's what doctors are there for they're there to help people who are sick who people not people who are healthy And the Lord is saying here, that's what He's like. He's like a doctor. He's here to help and to heal the spiritually sick. That's why He eats and drinks with sinners. It's not because He thinks that sin is okay, it's not because He thinks it's no big deal. It is. Sin is like a sickness, a terrible sickness, like a terminal illness. It's like a disease that, that, that will eventually, unless it is, is cured, it will eventually result in death. Only the death that results from sin is far worse than just physical death. It's eternal death in hell. And the reason Jesus is saying that he eats and drinks with sinners is to save sinners from that. That's why he spends time with them. It's to help them. It's to heal them. It's to save them from that terminal illness of sin and the eternal death in hell that it leads to. That's why he came. That's what he says. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what does his eating and drinking with sinners tell us about him then? It tells us, doesn't it, how loving, how loving he is. Do you see that with me? Here is Jesus. Remember, he's a divine son of God. The one to whom belongs divine glory, honor, majesty, power, and authority. Who is perfectly pure and holy and without any sin at all. Eating and drinking with sinners. Sinners. People who by nature are his enemies. Why? To help them, to heal them, to save them. He came to call sinners to repentance. Do you see how loving he is? And isn't that what the Lord's Supper confirms for us? Doesn't it confirm what our text is teaching us about Him? That He's so loving. Because what do the bread and the wine represent? They represent the death of Christ on the cross. The bread represents the body of Christ. The body of the incarnate Son of God that was broken on the cross. And the wine represents His blood. Shed, poured out on that same cross. The bread and the wine that we hope to to partake of in shortly are the symbols of Christ's death on the cross. Here's what we need to understand who was his death for? What kind of people did Christ die for? Did he die for righteous people? Did he die for people who've got it all together? No, he didn't. Did he? He died for sinners. He died for the same kind of people he ate and drank with in our text. Romans 5 makes that very clear. Listen to what it says in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died. For who? For the godly? Is that what it says? For the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us, in that while we were yet what? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how loving the Son of God is. He didn't just eat and drink with sinners. He didn't just call sinners to repentance. He died for them. Because that's the only way, you see, that sinners can be saved from sin and from hell. It's the only way you can be saved. It's the only way I can be saved. Christ, that great physician, had to do more than eat and drink with sinners for them to be healed. He had to do more than simply call them to repentance. He ultimately had to die for sinners. And he did. He did. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. What a clear confirmation of how loving he is. what an encouragement what an encouragement to put our trust in him Christ eating and drinking with sinners tells us that Jesus is both humble and loving but what does that mean then for us that's what we want to think about briefly in our second thought what the Lord Jesus eating and drinking with sinners means for us and there are two things we can say for one thing For one thing, it means that all of us, all of us from the youngest to the oldest can and should come to Christ in repentance and faith. Because all of us from the youngest to the oldest are sinners. All of us need salvation. All of us need healing from our sins. Sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking We don't. We're like the Pharisees. We can be like them. They thought they were righteous. They thought they were good enough. They didn't think they needed Jesus Christ to be their Savior, but they did. They did. Outwardly, they may have looked good, but inwardly, their hearts were sinful. They needed Christ to come and heal them. And so do you. And so do I. And the wonderful thing is that's what Christ came to do. That's what his eating and drinking with sinners is all about. It's about his purpose to save sinners. It's about his coming not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you see, that should encourage us then. It should encourage us all. His humility and love for sinners should encourage us all. Also, when the weight of our sins presses us down to come to him. You can be tempted to think when that happens when you feel the guilt, when you feel the shame, when you feel your insufficiency and, your, and your, your, how far you've fallen short, you can be tempted to think, Jesus doesn't want me. He wouldn't want me, but he does. He does. He ate and drank with sinners. Why? To help them, to heal them, to call them to repentance. That's why he spent time with them. I know I'm repeating myself. I know, but we see we need to understand it. That's why he died. And that's why he spends time with us. He spends time with us in the preaching of his word. Calling us to repentance. So that we might be healed. So that we might be saved. Don't think he won't receive you because you're such a horrible sinner. You're exactly the kind of person. He came to save. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's the first thing it means then that all of us, his eating and drinking with sinners means that all of us can and should come to him in repentance and faith. But the second thing is this. We don't need We don't need to be perfect to come to the Lord's Supper we don't if we did no one no one could come no one could rightly come to the Lord's Supper if if what was required was perfection but that's not what he requires he doesn't look the Lord Jesus doesn't look for perfect faith he doesn't look for perfect repentance he calls his people with all their weaknesses and all their imperfections, to come to him, to come to his table, to come and to eat and drink. He ate and drank with sinners when he was on earth. That's how humble and loving he was then. But even even though now he's in heaven physically, he's no less humble and he's no less loving. And in fact, it's when you come, it's when you come that he works also. Through his sacrament, through the Lord's Supper, to heal you, you see, to heal your imperfections. You say, but my faith is so small, my repentance is so feeble. I know, so is mine. But you see, it's through our coming, and it's through our eating and drinking, looking to Jesus with the faith that he has given us, however small and however feeble it may be, that he comes and he strengthens us. He strengthens our faith. He strengthens our repentance. That's why he gave his his supper. He gave it to strengthen our faith and repentance that is so often weak and frail. Why did he eat and drink with sinners? So that they might be healed, to call them to repentance, not just initial repentance, but increasing and ongoing repentance. Why does he give his supper? So that we might be healed, so that our repentance might grow and might increase along. With our face. You see what a gift. What a gift the Lord's Supper is. Do you see what a Savior for sinners he is? So humble. So loving. Amen. Let us pray. Lord in heaven. We cannot comprehend your humility or your love. And at times it's, it can be so hard for us to believe. But we thank you that you've given your word, so many passages in your word that confirm it for us time and time again. And we thank you for this supper by which you confirm it also. Help us, O Lord, then to come looking to Jesus, looking away from ourselves and our weaknesses and failures and and faults and shortcomings, coming trusting in Jesus Christ. Be pleased, O Lord, to strengthen us. We ask it in in Jesus' name. Amen.